Thank you for joining us. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and energize your faith. Today we have a guest, Daniel Vanderklok, preaching on why. I'm sure most of us have asked ourselves, why is God doing this? But sometimes the answer isn't God at all. Pastor Daniel is going to explain three reasons why the why has nothing to do with God, but decisions made by us or others. Let's take a look. Pastor Daniel, I'm excited that I get to share with you guys today. Um, I've been on staff here for a long, a lot of years, a lot of years actually. And um, I've gotten the honor of being a part of a lot of different things. This morning, and before I tap into some of that, um, I am so blessed. I have the greatest wife in the world. She is here with me. We've got four kids. And they have helped introduce a topic to me that I would like to share um, if you're taking notes, my title's really long, so get ready to write this down. My title is Why. Um, and if you've ever had a two-year-old, you may understand this question to, to one extent, because my two-year-old just started entering this phase. I was talking to her yesterday, and we had some kind of a conversation, and I'm like, also, don't do that. We'd have to go back to Costco and buy a new one. Well, why? I'm like, well, because Costco's got good stuff for great prices. Well, why? And like, you go through a few of these, and, and you might start asking some deep questions. You're like, wow. But there's another why that comes up a lot. Uh, it's actually not the why of the two-year-old that I wanted to talk about this morning. It's the why of tragedy. When tragedy strikes, when pain is there, why is almost universally asked. Why? Why me? Why, why didn't God do something? Why is this happening? And I've I've dealt with some, some tragedy, I've, I've felt some pain, but I have sat with people, walked with people through the worst of life. I, I've, I've been with people through things I wouldn't wish on my enemies. And when I looked at this, and I begin to, to look at this, when people ask, why is this happening? Why? I looked, and I found three reasons why this happens. Three things that I think I can take all pain, all tragedy, and I can put it in one of or a combination of these three categories. The first of these categories is not going to sound like much of a shocker. Um, number one, are you ready? Your choices. Um, sometimes our pain is because we did something stupid. And if it's really, really stupid, it's easy to, to figure it out. You're like, that's that was just stupid. And that's why it happened. Um, how many of you guys have ever used a hammer? All right, if you've used a hammer more than once, you have probably encountered self-inflicted pain. Um, this is not intentional. This is not necessarily stupid. This is just sometimes you make a choice, and it's, sometimes it's a fail that causes you pain. My brother used to lay carpet a bit on the side. One day he had a larger job, and he asked me to come with him and make some money. I'm like, sweet, yeah. Laying carpet upstairs, I say it wasn't much work because all I did was the grunt work and he did the fancy stuff, but when you lay it in a basement, it is not fun. And if you ever had to pay someone to lay it in the basement, there's a reason they charge you a stupid price. Because laying a tack strip on concrete, if you're not familiar with carpet, it looks like a yardstick with thousands of little nails coming up through it. And then you have to nail it into the concrete, and concrete is hard. So you pre-drill a hole, and then I've got this little special nail that won't break as it goes into the concrete, but it's surrounded by all these little nails. So I have to hold it still because if I shake it, it's going to crack the concrete instead of going in. 
So I got to hold really tight, and I got to hit really hard. A lot of you see where this is going. And so you're sitting there, and I'm like, tapping it. You're like, I think I got it most of the way. I'm ready to like pound this thing in. And I'm on this tack strip. It's only like an inch wide to start with. So I'm holding, but not holding on a tack because that would be bad. So you're holding right there. I'm like, bam, bam, bam. And I nailed my thumb, but it's not even just smashing your thumb on hard. I'm right on the edge of this. So it split my thumb open. I'm like, oh, stink. And we're on a construction project, not with a first aid kit. So you're like, uh, toilet paper or paper towel, duct tape. All right, I'm good to go. And like by the time the day was over, I had three fingers covered in duct tape. And we got them in, but sometimes the pain is my fault. Sometimes the pain is my choice. Sometimes the pain is because I failed. Sometimes the pain isn't necessarily my stupid. It's, it's actually something somewhat brilliant where I happen to overlook a very important detail. Uh, a few, I say a few years back, like 20, but a long time ago, um, my mom, my mom still loves trees, loves plants. She has fruit trees. But when I was growing up, we had these different fruit trees, and there were these web worms that showed up. And they are not good for the tree. And my mom is like, open war on these web worms. Like, you are not going to destroy my trees and my fruit trees. And she's like, you're going to die, you're going to burn. And so she cuts off all the branches that have these like web worm nest things on them and makes a big old pile where we burn stuff. And she's like, they're going to die. And this is a good strategy. And then she's like, you know what makes things burn really good? Gas. And so she goes and she gets some gasoline and she pours some gasoline on it. But then you realize you have to have a match. And so she's like, oh, crud. I forgot to match it. So she runs up, moves the gas far away because having a can of gas, right, where you're blowing up gas is a bad idea if you're ever thinking about it. So she goes, gets matches, comes down. But what she did not consider was that it was a very still morning with no breeze. And some of you guys know what that means. Others are like, what? It means the fumes of the gas don't blow away. They sit, they rest, and they spread out. So she comes up to light this. She gets her match, and she knows that when you light gas, it can go boom. So if, if this is what she's going to light, she, she stands back a little ways, leans forward, lights her match, and tosses it in. And when it hits, it just goes boom. But the fumes had gone out all the way around her and it exploded all around her and then came in. It actually burned her worse on the back of her legs than on the front. When I got home, she had a blister that big on the back of one of her legs. As, as this was, it, it, it was pain, and she was hurting for a good bit from this explosion, and there was this massive dead spot of grass that made this huge circle that you could come back and be like, oh my word, as you saw. But it, this wasn't an attack really of the devil. It was really just an act of, um, of ignorance, an act of overlooked something. Sometimes this pain that, that, that comes from our choices is honestly because we sinned. We did something, we broke a rule, and a lot of times God's rules, a lot of times man's rules are actually there to try to protect us. May 16 of 2005, I discovered one of those. I, was rock, I went to go rock climbing. I was going to go climbing with a friend, and she called me up and says, hey, I can't make it. And I'm like, well, I have a, I have a pass. I have, a, I have an annual pass there, so I'm like, I'll climb anyways. I don't have to pay anything. I'm going to go climb. You're just, if you don't have a partner to hold the ropes, you're not supposed to go above eight feet at that gym. They're like, all right, that, that's wrong. I'm like, okay, no worries. I'll just climb wide. But I get there, and I'm climbing wide for a while. And then there was this, this route that I'd been climbing the week before, and I'm like, I really, I 
really, I think I can do that, but I don't have a rope. And I, you know, there's that wisdom that says, if you climb really high and you fall, you get hurt. And so I'm like, hmm. Two crash pads. These crash pads are like a mattress-sized mat that's about that thick, full of stuff. I'm like, put one of those over there. I'm like, hmm, that, that ceiling's pretty high. I'll go get another one. And so I piled two mats on top of each other. I'm like, two mats equal one friend, right? And so I get over there and I start climbing this route and I'm doing pretty good and I get, well, I'm second hold from the top and there's this rock that's kind of like, it has no flat spot. It's just kind of pointy. So you got to like pinch a triangle pointing out at you, which wants to slide you. Anyways, it's a hard rock to hold. And so I'm getting up there, my hands are getting tired, and I'm grabbing it. I'm like, all right, I got this, and then the last rock, and I'm like, I win. I beat this route, and I get up there, I grab that thing, and my hand slips. I'm like, ah, whatever, I'm falling, but there's crash pads. And I look down, and the crash pads go from here that way. So my one foot hit the crash pads, and my one foot hit the floor. And then there was a sound, an immense pain. And shortly thereafter, as of May 25 of 2005, can you put up that first picture? Um, that's inside my foot. Um, the doc told me, I think it was 16 screws and two metal plates, if I recall correctly, but put up the next picture. When I was counting them, I think I counted 19 screws and three metal plates. But this is the point. I made a choice. That choice, that one was actually... God told, the Bible tells me to honor the ruling, the governing authorities. And in that place, there was a rule. That rule said I should not have climbed above eight feet without a rope. I ignored said rule. And when this happens, a lot of times people go, you know what? I think that God is punishing me for my disobedience. God was trying to protect you and you ignored him. That is not God's fault. If I tell my son, don't touch that on the stove, it's hot, and he touches it and he gets burned, that's not the wrath of dad. That is the love of dad that tried to protect you and you ignored him, and so you reap the consequences he was trying to protect you from. Okay, so, number one, we encounter pain because, sometimes, because of our choices, because sometimes uh, it's our poor choices, whether that's because we overlooked a detail, we failed at it, or because it was stupid or sinful, but our choices sometimes are the cause of our pain. Number two, this is, this is probably not a big surprise either, um, sometimes other people are stupid. Um, sometimes others' choices are the cause of our pain. Um, and this doesn't always seem fair I remember uh, when I first entered high school, there was this trip with the, with the high school that was going to go on a riverboat trip. It was going to be awesome. I'm like, I want to go. My parents are like, sweet. But we're going to be on vacation like the week leading up to that. And we're going to be out of town. I'm like, but I really want to go. They're like, all right, sign up. We'll have your brother drive from Grand Rapids up to Cadillac, pick you up, and come back. And I'm like, sweet. Um, and as a freshman in high school, all of this is completely out of my control. And so I'm like, sweet, I'm up there with my family, and then my brother has to drive from Grand Rapids to Cadillac to pick me up, and let's just say he was not thrilled with this assignment. And so his solution to this undesirable assignment was to try to make it go faster by driving faster. And so he picks me up, and he gets in, and I could tell that he was agitated at his little brother, but you're like, thanks for picking me up. Like, it's not, 
it's kind of all about my pay grade here. It's a decision between mom, dad, and brother, and so you just get in, put your stuff down, and buckle up. Well, we get on the highway, and all of a sudden, all the other cars are just, like, we're just, like, flying by them. Um, and, like, there's spots where there's, like, two cars, like, next to each other, passing each other, and he just, like, whips onto the on-ramp that's coming by them. And we are in well in excess of 100 miles an hour by far. And we are just flying, and as the little guy in the car, you're just like, just watching things go by, just sitting there because that's all I can do. Well, there were some people on the road who saw this car flying by them, and they were like, this guy is an idiot. This guy might be drunk. This guy's going to kill somebody. Let's call the police. And so I'm not sure how many calls the police got, but they decided to try to save the world from this maniac driver um, at the time. So they sent out an unmarked cop car to be cruising down the highway so that if this guy decided to run, they would already have a roughly 70-mile-an-hour head, you know, startup point to chase them. And while we're zipping down the highway, we zip past a car, and all of a sudden, this unmarked car lights up like a Christmas tree. Um, and you know, and it's got sirens and fun things. And my brother quickly decides to let it go by by taking an exit, so it has a full, clear highway. And then, you know, just in case it was, you know, possibly heading the same direction, he quickly made a couple other turns. Um, and the cop made those with us, and, and so my brother then pulled over. Um, the cop wasn't very thrilled with that. Apparently that's called fleeing and eluding an officer. It's not a good idea. Um, he then, the officer then comes out of his vehicle with his gun drawn, telling my brother to step out of the vehicle with his hands in the air. Um, apparently that's reasonable. So he gets out, and he frisks my brother, handcuffs my brother, and throws my brother in the back of the police car. And I'm like, okay, so this makes sense. My brother was being stupid. My brother just got arrested. Then the cop comes back and arrests me. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> I'm buckled. <laughs> this is my only responsibility here. This day I learned that his stupid can affect me. I'm getting arrested for sitting. Because the driver of the car was making a really poor choice, and when the driver of the car makes a choice, it affects everybody in the car. And it can affect everybody on the road. One person's choice doesn't just affect them. And you don't have to be doing anything stupid. Sure, you could say that I opted to get in the car. But there are times when you didn't opt to get into anything. I, I told a brother story, so I should probably share one of my stupid stories. Um, so when I was a kid, my cousin and her husband came and lived with us for a month when they moved into town, or I don't know how long they lived, but it was a while. And he was a legitimate cowboy. And as a kid, I'm like, this is awesome. He had this, this bag that was about this big full of ropes. I'm like, this is cool. I'm like, show me something. And so he starts like lassoing things. I'm like, this is awesome. And he teaches me how. And we set up this little wood thing for me to lasso in the yard, and I'm getting good at this, and I'm like, this is awesome. And I learned some tricks, and I learned to get it. But what does a little boy want to do after he lassoes something that doesn't move? Lasso something that does move. So my sister made the mistake of walking outside. <laughs> so all she did wrong, I guess maybe she didn't pay enough attention to her surroundings, if you want to blame her, but let's be real, it was my fault. And so she comes out, and I'm like, oh. look around, take the loop, and you flip it like this twice to make the loop bigger. You're like, I got one shot at this. I got to make it count. And so you make it big, and you, you come up, and she apparently didn't hear the whistling of the rope as it like goes above your head. Do, do, do. Boom. Well, I launched it over there, 
And to make sure I got it, I have a nice big loop. But when the big loop goes over her, like, that's hardly like catching her because the loop is still like six foot across and she's like yay big. And so um, she wasn't yay big, but her neck was only yay big. Um, so it goes over. So I didn't want to like choke her because I wasn't completed yet, only halfway. And so when it goes over, I gave the rope a little pull to make the rope go from like six foot down to a foot. I mean, come on, her neck is only like six inches across. We're fine. Except... I didn't think about the fact that if the rope goes from like 12 feet down to just a couple inches, that means the rope is going to slide. If the rope slides across skin, that leaves a rope burn. Yeah, so my sister had a rope burn from here to here. And she was not thrilled with me. And I would just say that this was not her fault. <laughs> All of the pain that she was experiencing was my fault. And I, and I say this because Sometimes in life, we're experiencing hurt, and we go through tragedy, and we go through pain. And it has absolutely nothing to do with any decision that you have made. But when somebody else makes a choice, that choice can affect you. And when we look at that, we also have to recognize that sometimes our choices have an effect on others. One of my sons... It was very upset, and he came to me a while back, and uh, I think he actually first came to my wife, and was, was very upset about the way he was being treated by some other kids. He's like, hey, we're hanging out. They won't listen to me. They won't listen to when I say stop. They won't leave me alone. They're, they're pushing on me. They're scratching me. They're clawing me. And he's got this long list, and he's legitimately very hurt and very upset. I'm like, okay. And we're, and we're working on dealing with that side of the situation. A little bit of time goes by, and... We have got some other kids over at our house, and one of these other kids runs up to me. And they're like, hey, we were playing, and your son is chasing us, and he won't listen when we say stop, and he's doing these things and that are hurting us. And I looked at my son. I called him over. Okay. Are you a villain? He's like, no. I'm like, do you remember those other kids that were hurting you? He's like, yeah. He's like, that was so awful. I'm like, yeah, you're doing that. He's like, what? No, but I'm like... But what? You're doing it. We have to recognize, and it was this great moment because he could recognize that he was not trying to be a villain. The kids that were doing it to him weren't trying to be villains. But sometimes we're not thinking about how our choice affects other people. We need to think about our choice, but we also need to realize that sometimes that person who's doing something that's hurting you they're not out trying to be the devil. Sometimes they're just making mistakes too. And I look and, and there's times where this is pretty easy to connect. There's times where you go, okay, I can connect that this is obviously pain because I made a choice. Sometimes it's easy to see I'm experiencing pain because you made a choice. Sometimes it's a bit harder to connect the dots. I've, I've started with this with people and they're like, yeah, what about a hurricane? What about a tornado? What about cancer? What about this disease? And they start rattling these things off, and they go, sure, you, you, you say it, it's coming from these, but, but let me look at this. Let me show you this. Remember, when someone is driving a car, and they make a choice, everybody in the car is affected. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let them have dominion over the earth. When he did this, 
He put Adam, man number one, in the driver's seat. He said, here is the keys to the world. Enjoy. One rule. Don't eat from that one tree. If you can avoid that, you got smooth driving. He messed up one rule. Okay, but we're, we're not going to rally on him. I've made enough mistakes. I'm not going to just diss Adam right now. But this is the point. When Adam sinned, Adam was driving the car that you're riding in. And when he crashed, the Bible says it affects you. Romans chapter 5 Verse 12 says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all men sinned. In Romans 8, it says this, it says, creation waits eagerly, longing for the revealing of the sons of God, for creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the, in the hope in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain freedom of the glory of the children of God. The word frailty there, perverseness, depravity, frailty, um, weakness, brokenness, earth itself is under a curse. Earth itself is waiting to be set free from the effects of sin when Adam crashed the vehicle that we're driving in. When he came, when he did this, when he chose sin, it led in death, it led in destruction, it led in and it twisted and perverted things. It's why you see hurricanes, it's why you see tornadoes. Sometimes this is, this is why we see different sicknesses. Sure, sometimes you can blame it and go, it's because somebody cut a corner and put in chemicals in something, and you can, can say that these chemicals and these shortcuts are responsible for this disease. But sometimes it goes, you know what? It's because when man sinned, it let sin, sickness, and death into the world. And this is why, because sometimes it's our fault, sometimes it's our choices, sometimes it's other people's choices. And a lot of times, God gets the blame for what's not God's fault. All of the time, people are like, yeah, but why did God? Insurance companies call it an act of God. It's not an act of God. Okay. So, so we have one, two. Let's get to, to three quickly here. And number three, we have an enemy. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Um, it's, it's very important for you to understand. First off, uh, Pastor mentioned this last week, so I'm not going to go over it a bunch, but just because you're encountering sickness, pain, death, heartache, tragedy, does not mean that you're out of the will of God. The Bible tells us uh, in, I moved this in my notes, but it's Matthew chapter 13, 21, that, he, that when he has no root himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word. He says that sometimes the enemy comes to resist you because God spoke something to you, because you have something. So sometimes it's simply because there is an enemy. John chapter 10, verse 10. says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Speaking of God, it says, be sober-minded, verse 8. And watch, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. I want you to notice this contrast. 
We have an enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. God comes to bring life and life more abundantly. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Watch out because the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Okay, there's a very big difference in the way that they handle things. There's a very big difference in what they bring. Yet, I was, at, I was actually at my wife's apartment um, before we were even dating. And somebody came barging through the door. There was know, a dozen people in the apartment. We were all hanging out. And someone comes flying through the door. And they're like, guys, guys, what's going on? And they're like, stop, we got to pray for my cousin. And they just started laying out this situation that their cousin was in a coma from different things. And so someone's like, all right, I'm going to start praying. And this girl starts praying. And she's like, God, if it's your will that they be healed, let them be healed. Whatever you're trying to teach us, and my heart just like broke. Because the Bible says that every good and perfect gift is from above, from the Father of light, in whom there's no shadow or variation of turning. It says that he gives good gifts and he doesn't flip-flop. I'm like, God's not blessing you with cancer. Cancer's not a blessing. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Cancer kills, steals, and destroys. This is from the enemy, and it needs to be resisted. He said to, to, to stand fast, to stand firm, and resist the enemy, to submit to God. And it, and it hurts my heart because so often we experience tragedy, we experience pain, and we blame God, and we go, God, what are you doing? And you're going, no, this isn't from God. This is from the enemy. And sometimes the enemy is there because we left an open door through our choice or through somebody else's choice. A lot of times it's a combination of them. But we have an enemy. And God is not the one who's bringing sickness and destruction that comes from the enemy. In fact, we see in Revelation chapter 21, you're going to find out, like if you, if you read your Bible, there's this, this story and you watch, God put man in a perfect garden and it was amazing. And then man sinned. And when man sinned, in came death and destruction. And you watch as God works to turn things around and to set us free from it. And you watch this story as he prepares it all through the Old Testament and then sends Jesus in the New Testament. And Jesus dies to set us free from, from sin, from sickness, from death. And then you see the final completion of this in Revelation chapter 21. He says that God will be with man. Man will be with God. He will be their God and they will be his people. And he will wipe away every tear from their eye. And there will be no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. Because that's what God wants. When you see things that don't line up with that, it's not from God. Because that's what God wants to bring. And he says, and what we have to recognize is that God loves us and he's not only does God want these great things, that when we encounter things that are different from that, when we encounter things that are full of sickness, full of pain, full of sorrows, full of death, that that hurts God too. See, God says that he has a heart. In fact, he says that he came to heal the brokenhearted. He says that in John 3, 8, the reason that, that um, the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the enemy, to destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? Well, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So Jesus came to bring life and life abundantly, to destroy what the enemy was bringing. It says that Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. You have to see that, that Jesus loves people. And when he loves people, their brokenness hurts him too. We, we often like remove him, but you have to understand, he says, cast your cares in him because he cares for you. That when he went around and he ministered to people, 
you'll find, I think, eight times throughout your Gospels that it says that he had compassion on them, that he saw their hurting, he saw their brokenness, and his heart went out to them. When he came to, to raise Lazarus from the dead, he already had a discussion with his disciples. Sorry, I'm getting a little excited, so I go a little bit too fast. Let me slow down a second. When he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, there was brokenness. Jesus knew he was going to bring life. I think if I knew I was going to bring life, I would walk in there ecstatic because I know that he's going to come up from the grave. But Jesus shows up, and when he shows up, he's already told his disciples he's going to raise them from the dead. He sees everybody who's broken, everybody who's hurting, and it says Jesus wept just before he raises him from the dead. Jesus didn't weep because Lazarus was dead because he knew in a matter of minutes, Lazarus would be alive and walking around. Jesus wept because he loves people and people were broken. Jesus sees the broken and his heart breaks for them. See, we have an enemy. The enemy wants to hurt God, but God is all powerful. He can't hurt God. So what does he do? He tries to hurt the one that God loves as his way to try to hurt God. He is, he is the enemy and God wants to bring life. He has compassion See, when God sees the broken, he wants to show them love. And when he wants to show them love, do you know what he does? He sends somebody. Can he send you? Because, see, we're supposed to be a window. The people look at me, and they're not supposed to just see me. They're supposed to see Jesus. They're supposed to see, the, when Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you, what that means is the reign, the, the rulership, the the place where God's will is done is in you. So when someone looks at you, if you say, I have made Jesus the Lord of my life, they should look right through you and see Jesus. They should see a place where God's will is done. And when I come into their life, my job is to show them Jesus. I should reach out and they should feel the touch of love and compassion and healing and power that comes from Jesus. And that may look like a meal. It may look like praying for them and just being there when they're in the midst of pain and agony. I've sat with people who lost their child. I've been there for people. Sometimes they don't need somebody who has all the answers. They just need somebody who will love them. Someone who will sit there and cry with them. Someone who will bring them another box of Kleenexes. Someone who will visit them when they're in the hospital. Sometimes they just need somebody who will be there. Sometimes they need someone who will pray for them. Some... Pain doesn't always look the same, but they all need the love of Jesus. We are supposed to carry that love. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, hey, in the end, this is what it's going to be like. Because it says that God's going to separate the righteous from the unrighteous, like the sheep from the goats. And when he goes through this, they go, well, why am I over here? And he looks at me and goes, hey, when I, was, when I was poor, you shared with me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was cold, you clothed me. And he goes through this, and then he says, whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. And they looked back at him and they said, when did we do that for you? He goes, when you did it to the least of these. And then he turns to the others and goes, I was cold, I was naked, I was hungry. I was in prison and you didn't visit. They go, when? He goes, whenever you did it to the least of these. And this is what happened. They go, when did we see you? When was the king of the universe hungry? When was God Almighty in jail? When was he sick and needing visited? When did he need someone to come over and clean his house because he was too sick to get off the couch? 
When did this happen? Because they were looking to do something for someone great. And he goes, see that broken kid over there? He doesn't have a family. See that, that single mom who's struggling with all those kids? He goes, that's my kid. And how you treat my kid is how you treated me. See, if you do something mean to me, I'm like, whatever, you got issues. But you do something mean to my kid, I have a problem. And this is what Jesus is saying. He goes, these are my kids. Will you love them for me? Instead of commenting to that mom who's trying to wrangle all those little ones and going, wow, you got your hands full. Why don't you offer to help? Why don't you open the door for her and let her through? I mean, do you have any, I, have, I have helped so many moms where their little one isn't listening and they're like holding a baby over here, trying to wrangle one, and they got one that's zipping off and the little one's like running away. And they're like, ah, come back here. And the kid's running and I just go, your mom said to come. And the little kid looks at me like, stranger. And they run back to mom. And the mom's like, thank you. Dad, you know how easy that was? I just made her day a lot easier. Because her, her energetic two-year-old is now headed back. Sometimes they're going to look at you and go, no, I have lots of kids and I'm afraid you're going to take them. But they're still going to walk away and go, wow, somebody cared. Some of you guys go, I can't cook. How can I bring a meal for somebody? It's not that we all have to do the same thing, but we're all supposed to bear one another's burdens. We are all supposed to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. When Jesus sees brokenness, his heart breaks and he wants to send somebody who wants that to be us. And if you're broken, I'm sorry. God's heart breaks for you and he wants to show you his love. And he wants to use us to do it. So let us be the hands and the feet of Jesus. If you say, you know what, I don't know Jesus, he loves you so much. And maybe you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life because you encountered, you didn't encounter enough of the love of Jesus through the people who said they knew Jesus. But Jesus loves you. And I want to say, I'm sorry that you've experienced hurt, brokenness, abuse, sickness, death. Know that sickness, death, it hurts his heart too. And he's going to put an end to it. But today, you have an opportunity still to make him your Lord. Did you know the Bible says we've written these things to you that you may know that you have everlasting life? That's right. Know that you have it. Not I hope I'm on my way to heaven. Not I'm trying to be a good person. But you're supposed to know, not find out when you die, but know that you're right with God. And if you don't know that in your heart, I want to pray with you today. If you say, I want to be right with God. I want to be forgiven. I want to be a part of his family. I want to live for God. If that is you and you don't know for sure, you're just like, I thought I'd die and find out if I made it to heaven. Would you bow your head, pray this prayer with me. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe that he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm holding nothing back. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you that you love me that you've heard my prayer, that you forgive me, that I'm a part of your family now, today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that simple prayer, God heard that prayer, and you really are forgiven and right with God.
Now, I wrote a book to help you keep growing spiritually, and I want to give it to you absolutely free of charge. Now, you can download that book or you can contact us and we will send you a hard copy free of charge. And again, this book is going to help you. It is going to bless you in your spiritual walk. God bless. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. How awesome. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you or download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free. Today's program is available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV by searching Walking by Faith or check out our app where you can download the message for offline listening, follow along with pastor's notes and share images on your social media. Walking by Faith is used across the globe to spread the truth that changes lives on and off the air. To partner with us financially in this great commission, go to walkingbyfaith.tv slash give. If you need someone to pray with or God is just doing awesome things in your life, we would love to hear about it. You can contact us by phone, email, or through our app. Also, find us on your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV. Next week, we'll be starting a new series called Hearing God's Voice. It's going to be great. We'll see you then.